Hello, everyone. I am back. That's right. Ashley Majestic is back for Out of Context. You can dry those tears, um, cancel those posts on Twitter uh, with the hashtag where is Ashley Majestic. Um, hashtag Adrian is nothing without Ashley Majestic. Uh, but yes, I am back for Out of Context. And with me today, we have Adrian. But before I let him speak, because we know we're all here really for me. Um, there's a fun fact that in Israel, it is illegal to bring bears to the beach. And now my sole goal in life is to go to Israel and bring a bear. But should it be a grizzly bear or a really big furry guy? What do you think, Adrian? I'm thinking more of the furry guy because the bear itself, I mean, getting a bear past customs, getting a bear on the plane, feeding a bear, cleaning up after his poop. It really does sound like a chore, so I'll go for the hairy guy. I mean, no fuss, no muss, and he's pretty much self-sufficient. I mean, what if... What if it's a stuffed animal bear? What if it's a Winnie the Pooh bear? It's still a bear. It's still a bear. But you do realize, once you get past customs, that people are going to freak out and want to open up the bear, search it for drugs, and it's just a big mess. Just a whole to-do. You know, I mean, bring a big fat guy. It's okay. Honestly, it's not going to be the first time a uh, stuffed animal gets violated, so. Is that a euphemism? Anyhow. So, uh, how are you doing? Welcome back. We've uh, definitely missed you. We have did the Out of Context show with Big Time Bext, and I did the Walk Racy Experience, and uh, the, the fans of Ashley Majestic have missed, have missed you. They come out in droves. They picketed. They've had the pitchforks and torches looking for you, but you're back, so we're definitely good to... Yeah, we're definitely good to go now. We're definitely glad to have you back. Uh, how have you been these past couple of weeks? Uh, man, it's been a roller coaster. Uh, so, I mean, if, it, if anyone that's listened to the episode where it's you and Becky, that it was very obvious that I was in the shadows. I just was not putting my voice in. The reason of that being is I had a very big mental hoopla that day. Uh, very stressed out from events that happened at work and I was like I just need to take a chill pill and I just need to relax and I don't want to think about things so I asked Becky to step in for me and I was there in spirit I was listening and I was making my little comments in our server on discord I was tempted to join but Adrian ruined that for you guys I just want to put it out there uh, and then last week I was hit with the flu that's always that wonderful. Uh, oh, I bet. And bizarre fun fact: that out of context podcast that was the highest rated show we've done, the fastest downloaded show we've ever done in the full years of me doing this show. So kudos to Becky for stepping in, and uh, yeah, she took your spot there for a while there. I mean, everybody loved her. I mean, you should have hopped on there. I'm sorry. The most popular episode we had was the one I wasn't even part of. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It, it, uh, it was the most downloaded. It was the fastest downloaded podcast we have ever done. And it, you know, all the credit goes to Becky because I just sat back and I listened. And you, <clears throat> you should have piped in. You should have said something. You should have been one with us. I mean, mainly because, I mean, we could have got more downloads in that one day than we have in two weeks. So, ha. Huh. You know what, it's fine because you were trying to bait me and I'm the type of person when you tell me to do something, I don't wanna do it. But you kind of missed out. Really? No, not really, I mean, I was there. I just wasn't vocally there. Yes, and the uh, infamous term murder, murder boner has gotten over quite well. So thank you to everyone yep. who uh, loved that. And I know you love that too, because I read in the Discord, you know, you constantly type that word in. So thank you for supporting that so word, that's too. That's what I mean. I was part of that popular episode because I was <laughs> uh, feeling the flames in the chat and you and Becky were going off of my comments. So I feel, but I think that's really cool. Uh, you should have told Becky this when we were talking earlier. Well, I wanted to surprise her. And plus, I don't want to mess, you know, I don't want to mess up the game that you guys were playing. So it's okay. Well, what's once you go off air, I will send her a private message congratulating her on that. But that's neither here nor there because we're talking about the now. We're talking about here. We're talking about another week. For whatever reason, it seemed like the past seven days, 
really didn't seem like seven days. It really drug on. It feels like you and I haven't talked in weeks, just for whatever reason. Yeah, that's life, man. Um, I'm like, that's just life. The last couple of weeks itself has been a blur, and between drama that's happened at my job, to uh, again, me being sick, and then other issues going on in my life, but everything's kind of steadying out for the most part, even though the month is off to a rocky start. Because, you know, of course, with inflation and how everything's going on here in America, uh, I can't get any loans in. And I didn't hit gold last month, and I probably won't hit gold this month. So that's, that's stressful. I'm just trying to think it is what it is. But, you know, it's fine. Fine. Yeah. I definitely thought the same thing in my job. I mean, the goals that we have right now, we're not really hitting at the moment because just once again, just the way life is right now. It is what it is. Wait, what kind of goals do you have at your job? Oh, we have certain percentage goals, certain moving goals we have to hit, certain collection goals we have to hit, uh, stuff of that nature. And um, part of our bonus is based on that. They changed the bonus structure. It's it's a whole big to-do. But fear not, you know, I still hit my numbers. I still hit my goals by hook or crook. And, uh, yeah, I'm still loving what I do. And I'm uh, very fortunate, like I've ranted about so many times at nauseam. So, but, you know, it works itself out in the end. I just read a fact that porcupines float in water. Oh, oh, oh it's so cute. Oh yeah, we missed you. That's not a, oh wait, that's not, that's not, that's a little hedgehog, but that's, that's still cute. If I'm looking, all you have to do people, go on Google, Google images, porcupines floating in water. Um, immediately you're going to see porcupines in water and they're swimming and they're just cute. And then you're going to also see hedgehogs. Um, they're not porcupines, they're hedgehogs, but they're still cute. <laughs> yeah, we truly, truly missed you and we're glad to have you back. So we're going to do one thing before we get into the topic of the day, which (sighs) we spoke about earlier. So we're going to, I'm going to have you humble brag for just a few minutes, for just a few minutes here. You purchased the Harry Potter game. What day? Uh, uh, February 8th. No, no, no. Oh no. I had already pre-ordered and everything like that. I started playing it on February 8th because I was stupid because I pre-ordered it and the release date for PC was February 10th. I forgot that I had access three days prior so I could have started playing it on the 7th but I didn't, was I forgot about it. I didn't I forgot that I could do that so I started playing it on the 8th. Uh, I think I know where this is going. Uh, so today is like we're recording this on the 7th uh, which is a Tuesday so it's fine. And as of tomorrow, it'll be a month. And I put in just about 100 hours into that game. And now, 100 hours in this game, you have successfully beat the game, done the side missions, and everything else you can do with this game. So my question to you is, before we get started deeply into the conversation, are you done playing the game, or are you going to go back and you're going to just do it all over again? Oh, I'm going to go back and do it all over again. I can do it more casually, because I basically went through the high of it it's still a really fun game and there's four hogwarts houses and i'm a slytherin so i plan on playing the game file as the other three houses as well just to just to do it because each of the houses have different quests as at this as well so i'll have different experiences with them um and it's just to do it casually but i also have a few other games i want to play so i don't feel pressured that i have to play hogwarts legacy i love it i love playing the game so I'm just honestly hoping they'll put drop DLCs and I can play more missions and quests and stuff on there. So now the reason why I asked this is because people who are still on the fence about buying the game, even though they're big fans of Harry Potter, how would you sell them on it now that you've beaten the game, that you've seen all there is to see on this game? Now, granted, like I said before, I watched you play it for 45 minutes and I was instantly hook, hooked. So editing people. Uh, but how would you... Uh, sell this game just 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 to a common fan seeing how you've done all there is that you can do oh no listen it's been out for a month and if you're on the internet at all there's really nothing else i can say that you probably haven't already read and heard it's a really good fucking game uh, it just has a little bit of everything in it you don't feel overwhelmed it's 
it's just a really good game, and that's as much as I can really put out there. I, I like, just buy the game. It's so good. <laughs> well, see, there you have it, folks. This is a ringing endorsement from Ashley Majestic about the new Harry Potter game for all platforms, by all means. Go and get it, and no, we're not getting sponsored for it, which actually should be, but I digress. So as we get started here, of course, we'd like to say thank you to podbean.com for sponsoring our show. And of course, you can always find us on 22 free platforms. Download any kind of app, whether it be Spotify or Google Podcast or even iHeartRadio. And do a search for the Walker AC Experience. Get those algorithms up if you're looking for a good show that will have you unplug your brain just for a few minutes. Find us. I mean, we're fun. We're great people. We're stunningly good looking, even though you can't see us. Take my word for it, trust me. And we'll provide you with a good content, maybe an hour a week, you know, just to, just to ease your mind up a little bit. Listen to our problems. Listen to our advice. Listen to us say stupid shit once a week. It's a beautiful thing. Don't you agree, my dear? Yeah, sure. Now, I see, kind of agree with, like, part of that. Because, like, you, you kind of start off strong and then you just kind of wavered and then you finished off okay. Wait, wait, wait. What part did I waver on? The whole us being decent-looking people, we, we, we're trolls, my guy. We're trolls. We're, I live under a bridge, and I ask people to pay a toll when they want to cross. Okay, fine. Ooh, that was a memory unlocked. That was a memory unlocked. It's the three billy goats trying to cross a bridge. Ooh, what's the name of that story? Let's see. The um, billy goats gruff. Three billy goats gruff. <gasps> billy goats gruff, yes. It's sad that you forgot that. When you're a little kid, I know you've been read that story multiple times, probably. Okay, well, listen, I knew the gist of it. I just I just knew it had Billy Goats, uh, the troll. So, three Billy Goats gruff. Okay, I remember that. I remember the story. I just forgot the name. Back off, Felicia. For you millennials out there who do not know about the three Billy Goats gruff, look it up. It's an old fable that parents used to read to their children every night just before bed. Just Aesop's fables kind of thing. Yeah, millennials go go look that up. Anyhow, but but today's topic, we're I like to touch upon complacency. Now it's a nice five dollar word. So being complacent in life, you do what you want to do. You're at a certain level in your life. Do you a remain that way, or do you b try to go farther? Try to push yourself. Try to challenge yourself more. Um, AKA right now where I'm at in my life with my job status, my financial status, my living status is tremendous and I can rest on my laurels if I wanted to, but I just want to keep on going. That's just, that's what's just been instilled in me ever since I was a little kid. I always want to go higher. And even when I was a 19 year old kid who knew nothing about nothing, I still wanted just to go higher and no matter what job I was in. So my question to you is, as we dip dip into this discussion, and I can't talk properly, um, where you're at right now with your financial stability and everything, are you comfortable with where you're at with your job, or do you want to go higher and keep pushing it? Oh, I want to keep pushing it. That's already a goal. Without going into detail of where I work and the company name and stuff, uh, I've done very well with creating a name for myself and my company and um, I'm just a you know a simple banker but I've done very well for myself I'm part of a lot of committees I'm part I do a lot of volunteer work with the company I I'm very active and uh, I have good really great relationships with the VPs uh, with managers uh, all this stuff and it's very well known that coming this summer the next step for me is to work on becoming a manager um, the reason that being is my current title, I've been in it, it'll be a year in this, t- my current title, it'll be a year in July. And then we have a few people going on maternity leave. So, you know, it's just better to wait for all this to pass and people coming back. And then I'm going on vacation in the summer too. So yeah, no, uh, for me, I can, I'm definitely happy where I am, but if I can just still keep moving, I'm going to keep moving. That, that's it. So now, if you not, I don't want to say if I want to say when you become the manager of you know of your particular branch, and something opens up to where you can be in corporate or where you can be part of, I don't want to I don't want to sound ignorant, but it would be distribution or something like that. 
you're going to just keep on going until you retire or once you use up all the resources at your current job are you going to go find something else uh when my husband is becoming a sugar daddy i knew you were going to say that, that. that's a, a, that's actually solid um for the most part i mean my my husband and we're not like we live of course here in america we live in florida but my husband, he's not from America. I mean, he's he's legal. He has, he's a citizen, of course, but because uh, I know some people immediately think wrong. But he's a, originally from another country, born and raised there. And he came over here to go to school. And we happened to meet while he was in school studying. And he's always made it very clear that he wants to move back to his home full time eventually. And like he's currently, he's very successful in the work he does now. He makes a lot of good money, and but you know, just he's just not ready because he has a, a couple goals he wants to hit before we do anything. And I'm I'm not really close to any. I have friends like like you and other people. I, I have good friends, but I'm not close with really any family members. I don't really have a reason that's gonna keep me here. My dad was the only thing, and he's passed on. So I've always told my husband, like, if he wanted to leave, pack up and leave tomorrow, I'd say, let's go. Um, so I, and I've just accepted that I can do so much more. And there's like uh, freelancing. It's kind of like crossing that bridge when I get there, but there's a lot of things I would like to pursue without having a typical nine to five job. Um, oh, just, so for me, it can be, maybe it can be another 10 years before we move, who knows? My thing is, I would like to see how far I can go into this in the company I am, that I am in. If I feel like I'm hitting a wall and I feel like I've done all that I can do, and I just and I feel like I've outgrown the company, then I look for other options. But as of right now, I don't feel that. I feel like I have a really good path that I'm on because both my own manager and the VP and my VP have said that to me uh, separate times, and so I feel very good. Uh, again, I'm the type of person is, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. When someone says, where do you see yourself in five years? I don't know. I'm hoping, I'm just happy and doing well wherever I'm at. But I can't say where I'm going to be at. I just want to, I want to just keep walking what I'm walking and we'll see what happens from there. Fair enough. I mean, with the job I have right now, like I said before, I'm very comfortable with, with where I'm at. Um, my upper management is very pleased with what I do. And every single day is just fun. As corny as it sounds, I look forward to going to work. And on top of that, I'm looking to move up, and my next step is be a district. Once I'm a district manager, then I'll be regional and yada, yada, yada. But I'm going to just keep on using the resources they give me, and I'm not a very complacent person. So that's just the basis of everything right now is at our age, not like we're old and everything, but at our age we're not really complacent people. Were you a complacent person at like 17, 18, 19? Were you comfortable at the job that you were doing? Or did you still have that same desire and drive that you do now? Oh, no, I was a teenage dropout. Like I wasn't going anywhere with my life. There's a, there's a whole story of how I was as a teenager, but no, I'm a definitely, I'm definitely a different person than who I was then. So, I mean, meaning by a teenage dropout, not to get too deep into it, but like the job that you worked at, did you just work just to work or did you work for just a common goal? So I didn't work 16, 17 years old. My first job was when I was 18 and I worked at SeaWorld and it was just to get a job, you know, just start working to make my own money. So I always had the drive that I wanted to make my own money and be independent. I wanted to get out of my living situation. I want to do things on my own. I didn't want to depend on anybody. So the drive to have some type of accomplishment and do things for myself has always been there. But when I was a teenager, I didn't really have a um, support system. I didn't really have a whole lot. So it was really me reaching around blindly in the dark. So, but where I'm at now, I'm very happy with myself. I, I do give credit to my husband because he helped guide me to where I am now. But, yeah, I guess the drive has been there, but, again, I was young and dumb. <laughs> well, I was always raised because, just like you, we were raised uh, poor. 
So anything that we had, you know, we tried to hold on to. So when I got a job at age 16, I held on to it and always tried to make something of it. Now, saying that, just like most teens, you know, I was unaware of everything. I couldn't grab my ass with both hands on two tries. So I went through a whole lot of jobs because I didn't have that instant gratification because I wanted to be a manager like now. And I had zero patience for it. But of course, that taught me how to be more patient, how to really, really set realistic goals. And so, yeah, I was never really a complacent person. So I guess fast forward to now working at this job, you know, I still want more. And with, you know, with you and your husband and when it's time to, to go home to your new home, back to his country, um, what are some of the, you, you touched on briefly, but you did have some goals, but some things you wanted to do. I mean, do you have any ideas or are you still, or you won't know until you, you know, until you get there and get settled in? It's really like pursuing hobbies. Uh, just see what I can do over there. That's what I mean is when there was a delay, not too long, like a, I want to say about two years ago that I wasn't working for a few months because I left my job and I was looking for another one. So there was three, a three month period that I wasn't working. And every day I woke up, my first immediate thing was I cleaned my house. I you know, took care of my puppy and my dog at the time. And then I just used the day to just work on things. And I just didn't really have lazy days. It was just pursuing a different project. It was, you know, see what I can change. So I don't want to put in, I mean, I like the idea that I can pursue writing because I used to write a lot. And with life and nine to five, I don't do that anymore. So there's nothing really solid and definite. Again, it just goes back to, I cross that bridge when I get there. I don't really like to focus on the future enough I just do it to the point that I would like to be happy and comfortable with my husband. But if we can do more than that, that's awesome. If we can't go beyond that, you know, it is what it is. So it's just keep moving. That's it. Of course, fair enough. And I could definitely agree with that. And right now, like I said before, I'm just really happy and I'm just really just pushing in as far as I can go. And, you know, until the wheels fall off or until, you know, something bad happens, I guess. So now... Uh, normal thing, a usual thing to happen. My uh, my little one grew up and spread his wings, and he flew the coop, as is uh, as is widely known already. So he has his first apartment at age 19. I had my first apartment at age uh, 17. So I'm nervously scared because I know how I was when I was that age, and being responsible. Here's hoping he can make things work. So now Castle Walker is uh, back down to one. I have the alligators surrounding the castle in my moat. So now I'm trying to figure out what to do next. So by that time, I figure it out. I mean, you'll have your little ones, you know, running around your house, scaring your dogs and stuff like that. So I definitely best of luck to you. I was going to say, you can think of ways of how you're going to spoil our grandchildren. No, I'm not going to have any grandchildren. I mean, I'll spoil, I'll spoil your kids. I mean, I'll buy tons and tons of toys and make noise and everything so that's definitely what i'm going to do for you because i, I care mm. i really care about your happiness and, and your kids see you really think that let's say hypothetically i were to have children and then you were to give the said children really loud annoying toys um i am more than glad to admit that i would not be a good parent because i would just grab that shit and toss it so you're going to mentally scar your kids already that early by throwing away their favorite toy? I mean, come on, really? If, they're my if they would be my children, they would be, um, you know, traumatized from conception alone. Hey, I mean, I would buy them SpongeBob you know, toys. At least SpongeBob stuff that can make decent noise, even stuff that you'll enjoy. I mean, SpongeBob and Squidward, maybe shoes, basketballs, something like that. Because, I mean, I know you're going to have boys, so I have to, you know, I, mean, I have to show them the way. I mean, maybe maybe may porn early, but I'm not too sure yet. That's still debatable. So to fear off of this, because we both know <laughs> that we're not going to do the whole children thing. So I just kind of read something that really piqued my interest. First, before I read it, I want to ask you a question. Do mannequins freak you out even just a little bit? Like make you even uncomfortable? Small mannequins... With tiny hands, they freak me out, but not regular okay. size. But not regular size mannequins. Why? Why do you ask? 
Now, like when you see like the human robot, human like the realistic human-looking robots that they're making nowadays, uh, do they freak you out a little bit just by their appearance alone? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Okay. But yes, go ahead. <laughs> okay. If a biological trait, because, you know, we're people of science, uh, I would least hope so, because I believe in evolution, things are there for a reason. Um, if a biological trait is common in almost every human, then it evolved for a reason. Almost everybody has a, the same response to the uncanny valley. Or in other words, we are made uncomfortable by things that look almost human, but not quite. This implies humans once had a reason to fear something that looks human, but isn't. That's definitely interesting. Well, what? if you think about it, uh, the whole, the shiny thing, where even if the joke's like, ooh, shiny, but n almost everybody is drawn to something that's shiny, out of the corner of their eye, something catches their eye. So the whole belief out of that is our ancestors, like where we were cave people, whatnot. The big thing was to find a source of water. And when the sun hits water, you know how there's like those big lights, uh, like little diamonds and stuff that's the surface of the water from the sunlight? Mm -hmm. It's shiny. So if you think about that, that our ancestors were looking for something that shines, like in the daytime, because that would mean water. So we are constantly drawn to things that are shiny. Would be one reason there. Never really thought about that. And come to think of it, yeah, you are right on that. I mean, you know, something shiny definitely gets our attention no matter what it is. Um, especially, I mean, especially in our peripheral. I'm trying to think of like other um, things like uh, evolutionary reasons are impulses for people. I mean, like the sense of, like the, you know, the whole gut feeling, um, your tuition. It's to always like follow your instincts because when you're sensing that there's something that could be dangerous or it's not a good idea, it's always best to just not do it because it can be those same instincts that have evolved throughout our genetics of things from like when they were hunters and gatherers and um, they had nothing but to rely on but their instincts or else that would mean quick death. So it applies to us now. Unfortunately, most of those instincts apply to the fuckboy that's text messaging you. <laughs> Well, what, wow. Interesting uh, connection there. I love how you bound that together. Um, no, actually, you're 100% right, because we rely on instincts more than anything. Hence, why horror movies are so popular. And the reason why I say that is because horror movies, they play with your instincts. And they give you characters that don't use their instincts. And it drives you crazy knowing that a teenager may hear a noise or an adult may hear a noise coming from a door. Your gut instincts tells you not to answer that door, not to look outside, because you know the killer's going to be there. So the movies play with those by not giving your, you know, the typical instincts to those characters. So they open that door, or they take a peek out that window, or they go towards the screaming noise of somebody getting murdered instead of going the opposite way. So yeah, that's a very interesting way of putting it. I, I like that. And now I'm actually looking at other articles and stuff because, you know, occasionally I do smart things despite my human, my, I can't connect words <laughs> because I am tired and I actually have been laying off the caffeine on top of, you know, my other issues with myself. So words are not coming out the way that they should, but I am looking at a lot of really cute, not cute, God damn it, this is what I'm talking about, like cool <laughs> things about uh, these articles are very long, and I need to actually read through them before I want to talk about them. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd be uh, definitely interesting to, to, to do that. I mean, especially for prepping for a widely listened to show that spans all over the world. I mean, come on, do your homework a little bit and yeah, help oh, me out oh. here. I know something now. It's not even something I'm reading. It's something that I've talked about prior. Is you know how throughout human history that we're aware of, there's been a lot of natural disasters that have unfortunately killed uh, to the thousands, to the hundreds of thousands, to the millions of people, correct? Yes. So think of this way. Either it could be evolution, um, natural selection, uh, what are forces, the earth itself. Either way, there's always the same connection. Is at some point in time, the earth and things start to get a little too overpopulated. 
other shortages and supplies and food, uh, water, anything like that. And then some type of natural disaster happens. Either it could be a plague, it could be an earthquake, it could be a flood, uh, it could be a volcano. There's been so many things that have affected population. Uh, and then like the most recent one that, I mean, where we've had tsunamis and stuff happen in just our most, in our lifetimes alone, the 9-11 attacks, things such as that. But the most one on catastrophic level was you know, during World War II, uh, with the whole, you know, Hitler thing, and so that was the most recent catastrophic thing. The first one I can think of before that is uh, Genghis Khan, where he killed literally millions of people. Uh, and then again, this is not uh, just a, uh, one really bad person alone. We're thinking about disasters, um, you know, volcanoes, floods. All these things, people that were just mass executed, people that were sacrificed for rituals. Just, it's a really big flow of, there's a funnel and everyone is going to the funnel to go down into the next level. And eventually the funnel gets too full and they get stuck and people cannot go through it anymore. So what do you have to do? you kind of have to take some stuff out to make the thing, the flow keep going. So you would probably think that if, if the funnel fills, as you would say, we come up with some, not we, but the actual earth come up, comes up with something uh, just, you know, just to weed them out. So they come up with like, say for example, the earth is like, okay, we have too many people, you know, damaging me, so I need to come up with something that will take care of it. So let me come up with something that attacks the immune system, uh, something worse than the common cold, you know, something that will, uh, that will thin the herd, so to speak, um, that will do the basic survival of the fittest. So with that, I'm going to come up with a sickness that will attack mainly the elderly, or maybe the people who are not so fit, maybe the overweight, Maybe, you know, you know, just something, just, you know, just uh, some people with, um, with not necessarily uh, impediments, um, like handicaps, so to speak. So we have, for example, COVID. Or a couple, go back a couple of years, we have SARS. Go back a couple of years, we have Ebola. Go back a couple of years, you know, so on and so on and so on. So once the earth goes through a certain thousands or maybe millions of people, then the planet will go, okay, I'm back to normal, which I believe same thing happened with the dinosaurs. You know, the dinosaurs became too much for the planet and the planet figured out something, figured out a way to cleanse itself and does the exact same thing for humans. So then maybe after the humans, another species will come along and the earth will do the exact same thing because the earth is ever healing. The old George Carlin joke you know, the planet is fine, the people are fucked. No matter what we do to the planet, and it's not really that much that we're doing, but once again, when the planet feels that we're too much, it's going to go into self-healing mode. And that healing mode could be a natural disaster. Um, it could be us turning on one another, or it could be just a disease. Yeah, exactly. So that's... It's just really weird when you think about history. And again, this is just recorded history alone. This is still not even taking into fact a lot of discoveries are made that every day. Uh, things that were still unknown. Things that will probably not, that we don't know anything about now. And there's going to be discoveries about it in 10 years. Uh, just, I mean, it's good. I mean, even right now, like while we were talking, I'm looking through different types of discoveries and things that change the flow of pretty much Earth's population. And I'm also coming across an article that's just really, like, weird. Okay, how so? Uh, let's, uh, let's scroll back up to the other one. So, <laughs> have you heard of the jigsaw skeletons? I'm sorry, say that one more time. Jigsaw skeletons. I've never heard that. Okay. So, what the little blurb of it saying is, any discovery of a human skeleton is somewhat creepy, but what happened after the discovery of four prehistoric mummies in Scotland's outer 
Hey, brides. I probably said that wrong. In 2001, is downright horrifying. Radiocarbon dating and stable isotope analysis revealed that the mummies were actually made of body parts from several several different people arranged to look like one person. That's pretty creepy. So the oh, yeah, serial killer is from prehistoric times, apparently. <laughs> Man, what was in the well, I mean, of course, the whole serial killer thing's been around forever, and uh, we just have different ways of doing it, especially back then, because that in itself is really, really disturbing. It's really weird how people have gotten caught throughout history, especially when there's no DNA analysis. It's really hard to track things. Just think about the, the Old West, you know, because you think all the time of how many people like would kill their spouses or rob the bank and kill people. And then they could just get on a horse and take off. Nowadays, someone comes to my house, like I have, let's say I don't have cameras. There's no cameras anywhere within like uh, 20 square miles. Someone comes to my house and shoots a gun left and right. It's gonna be very hard to track them down uh, already. I mean, the majority of murders in this country alone don't get solved because it's just hard to track them down. But then while in the old west, Someone just happens to blow into town, points a gun, shoots someone, and then leaves. And then suddenly there's a bounty on their head, and they're found like five states away by somebody else where, you know, there wasn't the internet where you could see the photo of somebody immediately. You had to wait for the mail to come through with a description the best that someone could describe. So it's either you had really, really lucky and smart, intelligent people, or imagine the amount of people that were accused of a crime and it wasn't them because you can only imagine the amount of dirty dusty old dudes wearing the same porn stash style mustaches wearing their dusty <laughs> western outfits and they're like are you austin smith the killer and the guy will be like my name is austin good enough for me <laughs> or or if you think about it, to go back to the serial killer thing, yeah, you're right. If you really had no forensics or anything of the sort, you just kind of just guessed. You know? Or if you were just some you know, interesting sleuth or pretended to be one, yes, you could find a killer and you may be right, you may be wrong. Most of the times you're probably wrong. But to go back a little bit further, you, know, you talk about the Salem witch trials. If you were a woman who acted weird or had you know, mental issues or just was probably sick. You were burned at the stake and you were just claimed to be a witch. No evidence, no proof, correct. just somebody just saying you're a witch and that was it for you. Yep. So that, That's all it took, it, just to be different. All I can think is, man, if I lived in that time, I'm dead very quick. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, me being black, I'd be dead instantly. But yeah, but you know, but I totally digress on that one. Now, <clears throat> now do you think Speaking of serial killers, do you think it's easier now? Do you think it's easier back then versus it is now? I mean, do you really think that most people can get away with being a serial killer now, considering the fact all the technology we have? Oh, definitely. Because of all the technology we have, there's people. Because when you do the DNA testing for ancestry, for all this other stuff, uh, your DNA is out there and. Like, I'm not saying this in a conspiracy way or you shouldn't do it. Like, I actually want to do it. My only thing is the family I know are already pieces of shit, the majority of them. Like, I'm not really looking forward to finding out more of them. So that's the only thing that delays me is, like, do I really want to know the other people I'm related to? But regardless, there's people that saw, like, there's police departments and FBI or whoever, they solve murders because someone put their DNA on a website and to find family, and that person can be, like, the second cousin or the great nephew of someone's DNA that was found at a crime scene in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, so things are like, it's hard. Though I would think the only way you could probably get away with murder nowadays is that you hop on a plane, you go to some foreign country that's not well known, and then you travel just through regular little systems that don't really have any paper trails. You're just traveling. And then you fall upon like some type of rural village. And then you just kill somebody in the middle of the night and then you just leave. I would think that's like the best way. And that's even still if you're not caught. Uh, 
because word travels really fast nowadays, even for areas like that. So, yeah, I would say even 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200, the further you go back, I personally feel like it was the easier things to get done. Not to say that people were stupid and fillers could still be caught because eventually the, the more number of bodies pile up, especially when it's in the same area, eventually someone's going to burn up nab who's responsible for it. But then you have people back then that traveled the world or traveled the country. They got away with crimes left and right because they were always moving. Oh, that is true. I mean, uh, allegedly Jack the Ripper was never caught. And he was a humongous mass murderer, and he was never caught. The Zodiac Killer was never caught. A couple of other serial killers have never been caught. Now, translate and translate that into today, I believe they'd be caught in an instant, you know, like, you know, just by DNA alone. So I don't really think it's really in the cards for anyone to become a serial killer, not that we're endorsing that. But it's just this interesting, the, the, you know, the psychology part of what would cause someone to do such a thing and the fact that, you know, they want to murder more than one person that they don't know versus, you know, someone they do know, you know, ex-girlfriend, family member, cousin, you know, something like that. Yeah, that's, that's something I wish I could do. I wish, I don't want to go to school to be a reporter or do anything regardless of that, but I wish I could just sit in a room and just and be, and be safe, of course, <laughs> but just be able to interview people that do these things, that have these tendencies. I would just like, like, I mean, I read articles for, uh, there's a difference between just being interested and wanting to know the knowledge and maybe learning the reasons behind how people think and why they do the things they do to romanticizing. Or they have so many serial killer movies and uh, television shows. It's one thing, it's a documentary, because it's actually talking about things, but then you turn it into a series where people, whether it's funny or not, like they're romanticizing the killers and stuff. It's, for me, I'm just not into that. I, I will watch the documentaries, I listen to the podcasts, uh, I do my research because it just generally interests me, but I'm not trying to actually watch some famous actor be a serial killer that was 30 years ago or 20 years ago, but whatever. That's, you're kind of, again, you're romanticizing them and you're keeping them popular. And I, I don't like to go that far. I'm not trying to have like some kind of background of Ted Bundy or what other kind of serial killer. I'm not, I'm not trying to be about that. I like to learn, see, like be interested. Like, wow, I didn't know someone could be capable of this. That is, I have that weird tick in me that I just want to see how things work, how people think, how people operate. I don't shame anybody because I mean, just all our episodes alone of how weird people can get and their kinks and their interests and all this other stuff and I just I don't shame anyone I might not have the same interest but it just still fascinates me and oh. that's what I like to do I like to learn oh I shame people it's no problem with that I have no problem shaming I'm kidding but no I mean just like you said I would love to sit down in a room with a serial killer and not necessarily ask them the typical questions of what was a catalyst for you to have that moment or what made you snap or what was your upbringing or did your dad beat you or something like that. But what was it like to do the first act of violence? You know, what was that feeling? Were you worried about being caught? If you were caught, how would you react? Stuff like that. Because most of them have zero empathy you know, or, or they're sociopaths, or they just feel the need to, you know, to act out because they didn't have the opportunity to do so at a young age. There's so many different variables that interest me. Not that I like it, but I'm just curious to see what the thing, the thing was behind it. So that definitely catches my eye. H.H. Holmes or, you know, uh, you know, John Wayne Gacy, stuff like that. You just wanted to know, you know, what, you know, what started it all. And, and why they feel the need to do it, you know, versus the consequences. Think about this way, is, you know, how people have impulse control. The most common thing is shopping, spending money, caffeine, junk food. So think of this way, where you have people like Tourette's, there's some, I, I, I'm not, I don't know the science behind it. I have not done my research, but my simple guess is there's some wiring in your brain that causes a tick. Whether it's you saying something or doing something, 
but it's an impulse that you just cannot control. There's people that have certain levels of OCD where they have to turn a knob, like a doorknob, three times before they can open it or close it. There's someone that has to turn the light off and off like 15 times. Uh, the impulse that you want, you're on a diet, but you see a perfectly delicious chocolate cake in front of you and you have the control yourself either you're going to eat it or not so it goes back to people with eating disorders all these different types of disorders whether they're mental physical or both so everyone has wired differently some people are a little bit more circuited than others and whether degree it is so think of it if it goes applies to the violence to serial killers to people that feel they need to act on violence because for example for me i think i will probably throw up at the site but part of me is always you know you know, if my skin was just peeled back and I could actually see what it looks like underneath, do I really want to see that? No, I'm not going to actually do it. But there's people that have that thought, and once that thought hits, they have to do it. And I'm not trying to make an excuse or anything, but I feel like that's like an impulse control where people can't explain it. Is they could understand that something's right or wrong, but their impulse is so strong, they're like, I just want to do it. I don't even care that it's wrong. I just want to do it. Now, do you think something like that can be, quote-unquote, rehabbed or controlled and contained? Do you believe someone with these impulses can be sat down and not through electric shock therapy or anything, but just through counseling and stuff like that? Do you think that those emotions, those impulses can be controlled? I don't want to say yes or no to that because I don't know to what degree because we have our own technology and our own modern medicine and Everyone that really talks to us about anything therapeutic is human themselves. So there's always human error in everything. And you have the sick people, you have pedophiles, you have a lot of people that do really heinous things. They're just inexcusable. Um, and some of them just feel like they have no control. And I'm not trying to defend anyone whatsoever, especially. Is there's stories of people that they go to police stations. They try to get themselves admitted into hospitals or psych, psych, um, psych That's not the right place word for it, but um, mental hospitals, something like that, because they have these urges and they know it's wrong and they don't want to do it, but they feel like they can't control themselves. So there's sometimes these people that will try to get themselves admitted or arrested or something before something dangerous happens because they're aware of it and they can't control it. Um, and then sometimes no one will help them until they actually do the crime. And unfortunately, people get hurt. And then that person, you know, their life is ruined because they did those, those heinous deeds. So regardless, I would think personally, there's some things that maybe can be solved through therapy, possibly. But I don't know to what degree. Uh, because again, you're always having to account in for human error. Of course, it always makes me wonder that... You know, people who commit such crimes like that, like serial killers and whatnot, they're locked in a small cell for the rest of their lives. Um, or, or they get put to death because, you know, we won't touch on the overcrowding of jails because a whole other topic for a whole other day. Now, for people like that, it's a difficult decision to lock them up forever, forever or self-delete them out of the world. You know, so because... because if they can't be cured or that urge can't be suppressed, then what do you do with them? Do you lock them in a room and just stare at them forever or run tests on their brain or, or do you just get rid of them or do you just get rid of them off the planet in general? Well, that's why there's the laws in place is the laws have to fit the, the punishments have to fit the crime. So unfortunately, just like the whole stalker thing, a guy can just keep calling my phone and he can keep standing in front of my house. The police aren't going to do anything. Um, it, the person has to do so much. Like, they have to keep calling my phone over and over and over again. Emails. It has to actually show how much they are, um, what's the word for it? harassing me. And even then, they just, and it shows that the person is, you know, is really sick and demented. Let's say that they want to do really bad things to me when they're sending me these messages. They can't get arrested. They're not going to go away the rest of their lives because they haven't done anything. So unfortunately, people only step in 
once a crime is committed and nine times out of ten it's too late uh, and that's a whole other discussion too but there are rules in place for these things so unfortunately a lot of it affects people that need that protection and it doesn't work out unfortunately because that's the thing when I even think about my job there's rules and policies in place uh, it's there for reasons for certain type of people but unfortunately it affects the other type of people that it shouldn't and so there's cause and effect for everything and so the whole idea of locking somebody up forever again just how bad of a crime was it and the, those are the scales that they get rated on uh, where people you know get arrested and go to prison for first degree second third degree uh popular murder you know there's different types depending on what the crime is is the level and which is the punishment that is determined by lawmakers <laughs> yes once again, you're absolutely right on that one. And before we close out this particular topic, because we have to, we have to go back to the silliness. I mean, we we have to. A really good documentary, a really good interview to look up, is a gentleman. I think I mentioned him before. It's called H. H. Holmes. Have you heard about him? Oh yeah, I've seen documentaries about him and everything. He did the, his Hotel of Madness, where he pretty much did several store, uh, several floors different rooms, different hallways, to trap doors, to brick walls, to gas chambers, to death traps, to shoots going straight to an incinerator. And what he would do is every time it was a certain hallway or a certain level of the building, he would dip, hire different contractors and builders because he didn't want anyone to know, you know, to be able to keep track of what's being made and what's not. So, oh yeah, I know all about, I know, well, I don't want to say all about him, but I know, like, the majority about him. <laughs> so, yes, um, for people who are definitely interested in that, look up H.H. Holmes. Google him, read his story. Obviously, I'm not sensationalizing anything like that, but it's a very interesting read, once again, into the human psyche and about how far a human can go, you know, and, and just acts of violence, because, you know, we, we humans are very, very violent creatures when we want to be. Other than that, we're, we're pretty loving creatures to an extent. Uh, but yeah, definitely something to look into. Uh, any closing thoughts on this particular topic before we go into something ridiculous and silly? Uh, not really, but I would love to touch more about it because I actually, because despite my thoughts and words that get said on this podcast, I can be kind of smart sometimes. Kind of, but, but, yeah, but it's okay. I, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. I mean, you'd have your smart moments. This is why, you know, like you're the host of the show, so it's good. And then she oh, yawns on top right. of that. Just kills it. <laughs> I compliment her. She kills it by yawning, I tell you. Well, I can't control the yawns, my guy. <laughs> so, are, are you ready for the silliness? Let's do this. Okay, for the silliness, we have to bring it back. It's been a couple of weeks since we had this conversation. A couple of weeks since we did something stupid. So it's time to play the home game for digital download in theaters near you and for, uh, yeah, just for regular uh, DVD sales. It's time for Pick the Porn, people. Pick the Porn. It's your mother's favorite game, your, your grandfather's game that reminded him back to the old 40s and 30s games, stuff like that. We're going to give you uh, three porn titles, and you're going to pick the fake porn title. It's been a while, Ashley, so I know you're kind of rusty. So are you ready to give this a shot and not blame, you know, the game itself? No, but let's do it. I knew you were going to do that. Okay, round one. Now, these are all spoofs on movies. So number one, everyone I did last summer. Number two, intercourse with a vampire. Number three, men in black, whores. Which one is the fake porn title? The third one. Men in Black Whores. Is that your final answer? Yes. You are correct. Good job. Wow, not bad. Oh, yeah. All right, so ready for round two. Let's do this. This will be double points here. Once again, pick the porn sponsored by the Out of Context Podcast. Pick the porn, the game you never knew that you'd like, but now you love. Round one, Slutter Island. Number two, Six Feet Underneath Me. Number three, Saturday Night Beaver. Which one is the fake porn? 
I'll only go with the second option. Six feet underneath me. Is that your final answer? Mm-hmm. Yes. You are correct. Six feet underneath me is a fake porn. You are on a roll. Welcome back. Um, yeah, apparently. <laughs> and now for the third and final round. You're feeling really good about yourself here. So let's go here. Number one, the Texas Vibrator Massacre. Number two, White Man Can't Hump. Number three, Wide World of Horrors. Which one is the fake porn? For all the marbles in a game. What were the first two options again? The Texas Vibrator Massacre and White Man Can't Hump. Game is sponsored by Out of Context Podcast. Out of Context Podcast. It's for me. It's for you. It's for everyone. Let's go with the second one. White Man Can't Hump. Are you sure? Is that your final answer? going to have to be. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm just going to have to go with it. Why do you believe White Man Can't Hump is a fake porn? What makes you believe that? What makes you... Uh... <laughs> I know it's a play on the words for, you know, White Man Can't Jump, uh, or White Man Can't Jump, that movie. But I don't know. I just don't know how they would turn that into a porn. But, you know, unless unless it's like a white guy, and clearly he's really bad at sex, and then a different type of dude comes through, a <laughs> uh, different skin color. You know what? Never mind. That is probably a very logical uh, porn name. What was the first one again? The Texas Vibrator Massacre. Let's just go with the first one. Okay, why the Texas Vibrator Massacre for you? I'm just curious. What made you believe I don't that... No, I don't know. <laughs> These are called cliffhangers, folks. We're leaving everybody hanging on. Make sure she makes the right choice. So now you change your answer to Texas Vibrator Massacre. Yeah, and I just want you to know, if I end up being wrong, and it was the second one that's wrong, I'm going to throw a punch you. From this distance. Okay. If that's her final answer... Is that your final answer? For third, this is the third round for all the marbles. You've been on the two winning streak. Can we make it a third? Are you ready? Let's do it. Texas Vibrator Massacre is not a fake porn. It's real. Yes, as she's slowly cursing herself right now. Now, just for poops and poops and giggles. Huh? Which one was the fake one? Wild Ward of Horrors is the fake porn. Oh, so I was wrong regardless. <laughs> but, two, but two out of three is not bad at all. So welcome back to the game. We do the game once a month, folks, because we don't want to tire anybody out of the game. This game is really popular, really famous. Small world horror. People in India play this game. From I mean, I'm assuming they do. Ooh, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they play the game. I mean, I don't, I'm not. That's I'm, actually my second favorite flavor. Curry. Spicy. All right, there we go. Yes, that's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. See, it's 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 the spices. We're not going to get into that because we're a family show. Um, <laughs> as the show come to a close, we're glad that you're back. We're glad that you're still part of the show. We're glad that actually all of you out there to still choose to listen to the Out of Context podcast. Because once again, without you, there is no us. And Ashford, do you have anything to say to the people? How can they reach out to you if they want to talk? Um. Majestic Nerd Lady on Instagram. And I also want to put a tidbit out there that you're not going to get rid of me. You can't get rid of me, but I will walk away. If so, help me God, the next time Becky hosts for me again, it's another super popular episode. I'm going to walk away. <laughs> I'm like, fuck this. I'm not appreciated enough. You are not going to walk away. This show cannot exist without you. I mean, you're an integral part of the show. You came back. So, so really? now you're stuck with no. us. It's, it's in your contract. You're bragging about how well Becky's episode was with you. <laughs> You're stuck with us. She signed the contract, so can't leave us yet. And, of course, you can find us on 22 free different platforms. Find us. Search under The Walker AC Experience. That's where you can find all the shows out of context. Podcasts like you majestically, The Walker AC Experience, everything in between. And, of course, be sure you write to us, slackingmajestically01 at yahoo.com. That's slackingmajestically01 at yahoo.com. So as we put the final touches on another week, I think it's time to hand over to Ashley because it's been a while. 
So as I sit back and put my head in my hands and take a deep breath and getting ready for this final blow, it's all up to you. So go for it. What do you call a guy with no arms and no legs on the floor? Matt. Damn it, yes. Really? No, you, you're leaving us with that? I'm sorry, you ruined the joke. I mean, that was lazy. Come on, no, no, come on. You gotta, you gotta do better than that. Okay, how do computers get drunk? Uh, how? They take screenshots. Okay, yeah, good night. That was, that was bad. Okay. Last <laughs> thought. Good night, everyone. <laughs>